Welcome back, bitches, to the Complete Guide to Horror podcast. In this episode, BP, Coop and I discuss torture porn and the movie that started it all with Saw. Released in 2004 to critical and fan acclaim, Saw contained the building blocks for the much-hated term torture porn, which is designated to splatter movies that focus on blood and gore and led to the creation of the highest-grossing horror movie franchise of all time. With the 10th instalment on the cards, rumoured to take place between Saw 2 and Saw 3, we thought it's time to analyse the movie that kick-started it all. Now, the term torture porn has been given to many films and cheap copycats, including Hostel, Would You Rather, Tortured, and Captivity. And I am choosing to ignore this verdict. What? You can't ignore the verdict? What verdict? See, this is me ignoring the verdict. It's hard to believe that a small duo consisting of Melbourne-based James Wan and Leigh Whannell wrote such an intriguing script that was unsurprisingly knocked back many times in Australia until they sought the help of producer Greg Hoffman, who fast-tracked their pitch all the way from Victoria to Los Angeles. First of all, I'm an American. I don't have to understand anything. So, Coop, what do you think of Saw and the torture porn label in general? I think it kind of gets, gets a bad rap. I, I remember maybe as we were about three or four installments into Saw around that time, People were sort of kind of getting a little bit tired of it and just kind of like discarding it. Oh, it's just like that torch porn stuff. It's just gore for the sake of gore. Kind of started to get a little bit lost there. I don't think the term torture porn, at least on a mainstream level, and there's, you know, plenty of people from the mainstream that are into horror and that kind of thing. I don't think torture porn is a particularly attractive term um, for a movie that you sort of want to sit down and dissect. It's interesting because when you, I've, I've said to someone before, a saw movie is like torture porn and they'll sort of look at you actually thinking it's actual porn. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's like horror. And they're like, oh, okay. Which means that it's transmitted sexually. Does it look like the four of us are about to have sex right now, number five, huh? I'm with Coops on this one. I don't like the word torture porn. I prefer like blood and gore. I don't know where this sort of torture porn thing came from, but I think it's sort of like found footage where that sort of came in sort of around that 2008, 2009 period. And then that sort of fizzled out after like 2012, 2013, because everyone just got sick of the same sort of movies coming out with that. So yeah, I think Blood and Gore, Torture Porn. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't like that term. It's fun that I've never actually understood why it's been referred to in that manner. I love horror movies. I am a big believer in like going all crazy, you know, pulled to the wall, you know, more blood, more deaths, more like characters, more twists and everything. I'm not that type of person as well that's like, oh, yes, let's see how this person gets killed. Like, to me, it has to be creative. It has to be something that either has really good shock value and relates to the story. Otherwise, it's just, eh. I think, not torture upon itself, but the whole genre is kind of due for a comeback. But it does need to have a great story. Otherwise, it's not going to take off. We've seen that with the later installments in the Saw franchise with Jigsaw and Spiral. Listen, 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 listen. Fuck off, fuck off, fuck off, fuck off. Get out! Get out! Idiot! In my opinion, just missed the mark, but there were already signs that the gears were already falling off with certain movies like Hostel Part 2. There were certain other Saw installments like Saw 3D, aka The Trucks Come Alive, where it just seem to be a bit more how can we throw an eyeball at the audience compared to how do we wrap up this story in a really fresh manner how do we have more twists how do we have really engaging franchise now 
the first installment saw, as I mentioned, was released in. <clears throat> Sorry, let me do that one again. <clears throat> so the first. <laughs> The first installment, Saw, was released in 2004, and this was actually created by Australian filmmakers. So they had previously submitted a short version, also titled Saw, in 2003. They shopped it around to numerous production studios, and it's interesting too. So they got it greenlit pretty fast. It was produced quite rapidly. It was seen as a movie that may do okay but they weren't expecting that to essentially kickstart a franchise there's a really great interview with co-writer Leigh Winnell who says that when he finished film school his teacher stood up in front of everyone and said none of you will make it in the film industry don't Shorten your compare dress. They would yourself never, to me they would ever. Never make you are not on my level Nicole longer. you never will be on my level do not compare yourself to me and that's the last thing he remembered about attending film school as someone who's also gone through film school, that's the general vibe that like all the lecturers give out. Coop, we'll start with you. What was your favorite part of that movie? Oh, this is going to be tough. The first Saw movie is probably one of my favorite movies of all time. So picking a favorite part uh, is kind of difficult for me. I'd like to mention that I mean, we're, we're, sort of, we're talking about torture porn today. And I feel like at this point, it wasn't really that yet. It was really just kind of like a psychological thriller with lots of gore elements that, although, and I think it's just sort of comparatively with the other movies, it's, it didn't really delve right in. Like you didn't get the big close-up shots of really anything going on, even in the sort of the main big thing that happens in the movie where Dr. Gordon saws his leg off. You just, you kind of just see the first couple of cuts and then from there it's kind of just left to the imagination you just see the look on his face you see the blood spurting up but i remember when i first watched that that was uh like a like you know the hairs on my arm just thinking oh just like with the sound of the saw and all that kind of thing the way they built up to the breakdown of dr gordon having to cut his leg off pretty much just because he couldn't reach that phone let's be honest my goodness <laughs> but just the, the lead up to that breakdown of, you know, he needs to save his family. So he has to cut his leg off and kill Adam was just sort of done so well. And sort of with the, the way the flashbacks sort of interwove with the story the whole time. And the fact that it was made on such a small budget compared to the rest of the movies that followed it. I don't know. Saw is a tremendous effort. If you look at it just on its own, it's really quite incredible, I think. Yeah, 100%. I also remember thinking the whole movie was going to build up to him soaring off his leg as like the main payoff of the movie, but then being mm. so surprised mm -hmm. when there were other hidden elements to it. Obviously, this whole thing's going to be a massive spoiler alert, so please do yeah, not listen to yeah. this if you haven't watched. If, if you but, haven't seen Saw, you should have already turned it off. You've, you've already heard too much. Go away. <laughs> I remember being so shocked when it was revealed that the dead body, well, alleged dead body in the middle of the room was the mastermind the whole time. I've never mm -hmm. been shocked by any movie twist, anything like that. When he got up, I thought maybe he had been electrocuted back to life from like when they kept shocking the, what do you call it, like the leg collars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what's going on? And then he starts mm -hmm. going into his little rant and I thought, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> 
Yeah. But, um, good, good use of the red herring in that movie with uh, with Zep. What are we gonna tell them? That we burned Miss Bean's face off, thought she was dead, hid the body, then it came back to life and stabbed Chanel number two while we were all in the house? They're never gonna believe that. That's an insane story. Because they left it about halfway through before they revealed it. But, you know, they sort of already had him there with the creepy vibe and just that little tidbit at the start. And you're like, oh, well, I reckon it's going to be him. Mm, yeah. Definitely not the dead body on the floor, that's for sure. I don't mind the film. I kind of, I know it's probably like controversial, but I don't really think it was like my favourite store. I think given the sequels that came out, I liked some other films a bit more. But when it did come out, I think it was quite iconic because it was built on what $1.2 million budget and made like $103 million. So at that time, there was just that whole thing of, you know, such a cheap sort of movie made so much money. And that was sort of, I guess, where that cult following started. But I likened it more as a thriller. I'm not really into thrillers per se. And I found the movie was a little slow in some parts with pacing. It's not bad. It's just when you compare it to the other movies and how fast they move in some scenes, I sort of preferred that. But I think as a whole, the scene where John Kramer's on the ground and then just gets up, I like that they didn't sort of push on the body or sort of zoom in on anything. You sort of just saw a body, you just presumed the body's dead because that's where it is at the start of the film. Mm. But yeah, when uh, that body gets up, yeah, he's actually alive and pulls the skin off his face and you're just like, holy shit. This guy's actually real the whole time. And then, you know, behind the scenes, it was revealed that he was literally laying there during that whole filming, just laying on the ground, which is pretty cool. <laughs> Surprised they didn't just get a dummy or get like a mannequin or something. Because Tobin Bell said that he actually did lay on the ground the whole time. So I don't know, like, because in the movie, <laughs> obviously, they show where he's had the sedatives and that in his sort of body to sort of reduce the muscle spasms and stuff laying there. So I wonder if he ever took something as well, or just maybe, sat yeah, there. Maybe. <laughs> the camera was just just on him just as he was there filming (laughs) he got off at the end of the filming and they're like actually oh now that's a good twist (laughs) (laughs) yeah take it out take it out no oh put it back put it back well the later installments do have a bit more focus on like the traps and mm-hmm. the lessons I've learned with them. I found in Saw they did really build the foundation strong with some of the more iconic traps like the reverse spare trap thing. That has been in every attempted reboot from Jigsaw to it's mentioned in Spiral. It was used in Saw 6. It's one of the first traps that I think people who aren't familiar with the entire franchise can recognize. Yeah, And that scene in general, I mean, I only knew Shawnee Smith from Becca, <laughs> you know, yeah, that old yep. TV series. I'm like, why is she in the horror movie? Oh, come on, Margaret. Can't this be a me day? You know, a day to goof off while everyone else is working. You do that every day. She was great. So loved seeing like all the different traps and also seeing how it does like emotionally impact these people. I often find in horror movies, like whether it's Final Destination or if it's Halloween or if it's another franchise, there wasn't really an emphasis on how it does affect the characters before, during and after Mm. specific traumatic event. And Mm. usually if they have attempted to do it, it's always like cliche. Oh, this person was in a mental hospital or this person. Some crappy montage scene or something. Yeah. And it's always like a, it gets better (laughs) kind of cheesy value thing. Whereas like with Amanda, it was kind of scary to be like, wow, this girl from Becca who I never took notice of delivered a really, ugh, fuck off email sound. She really delivered a compelling 
performance of someone who has been horrifically traumatized it did feed into the sequels without actually giving away massive plot points or anything but other traps too like it's called the flammable jelly where he has to go around with a candle walking around on broken Mm. glass yeah i remember being like particularly brutal i think yeah yeah to see and then the, the amount of numbers on the wall and you're just sort of thinking like really like this is not going to end well that's yeah. how they're supposed to think with glass in their feet that's yeah um, come on come on jigsaw it is like, interesting you said justin with the um reverse bear trap because i think if you ask anyone about saw in general and you ask about like what is a trap that you remember i'm pretty sure majority would say reverse bear trap but as it plays on in sort of further movies it sort of feels like they're just doing it for like a legacy thing and I mean, some later Saw movies use it better than other Saw movies, and that sort of mm-hmm. just feels like it's a like an Easter egg, especially in the Jigsaw Spiral realm of it, because you're just like, oh, reverse bear trap. Okay, cool. <laughs> right. It, it very quickly um, became about uh, upping the ante a lot of the time with the traps, and just like, yeah, and we can make it bigger and more intricate and more fucked up, and mm. um, that's yeah. I don't know. I just I feel like that kind of wasn't really the point of sort of where where it started. There's some things that are just like oh that's just gory, but uh, there's things like in the first one, like with the razor wire and with the with the glass yeah. on the floor. Sometimes the things are a bit more rather than bleh, like it's just yeah. you know, you know what I mean. Like the um, kind of like what we were talking about with uh, Final Destination with that scene, and I'm going to keep bringing it up because it's a more recent thing I've seen. It's fucked with my head. Um, is that <laughs> uh, that gymnast scene with the um, the screw? that's pointing uh, up and then and it's just like oh you're just like you know picturing how bad it could could be just like yeah, yeah. the later films in the soul franchise were definitely missing that suspense and missing that real i don't know the right word for it. i was gonna say tactile but i don't think that's right either mm. like the other ones it's like oh okay this person gets electrocuted in the bathtub or this person gets blown up by nail bombs but there's not that same feeling where it's like ah razor wire like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's like you sort of lack remorse, or you lack sort of maybe even caring for some of these characters for some of the traps because they're just so ridiculous and they just feel mm. cheap and just an uninspired idea. I realized I'm on rewatching these movies that a lot of them didn't always follow this theme. But the uh, when the trap has something to do with whatever the supposed crime is of the person being tested, when it had something to do with that, like, you know, you get to rip your tongue out or, you know, it's something like that. I was always a lot better, but there was plenty of them that was just like, oh, you run over a kid. Now we're going to twist your limbs off. It's like, uh, okay. Doesn't really tie in like some of them do, yeah. but it's a bit of inconsistency there, but, you know, go off. Go off, sis. <laughs> Thanks, BP and Coop, for joining me today. In our next mini-series of episodes, we discuss all the Saw sequels, including the much-hated Jigsaw and Spiral. If you liked our podcast, feel free to like, comment, share, tip, and rate us, and subscribe. And if you hated the episode, go fuck yourself. <laughs>